0: Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you on this now Tuesday of August the 11th of 2020. As always, it is a joy for us to be able to come to you and and to be able to study the Word of God together. In such an hour like this, this type of fellowship, this type of, of gathering is needed and in many ways <laughs> you know uh most of us you know all of us are not probably meeting in churches and 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 for some of us you know this is what what we have sometimes and uh and we praise God for the means that God has left us through technology to be able to reach out uh to one another and be able to to hear what God is saying in this hour so we thank you and we consider it an honor that you would join us today and take, take uh, out of your time to be with us and study the Word of God. That's what we like to do, study, not for the sake of knowledge, not for the sake of just studying, but study in a way that will speak to us. To see things from the, from the installment of these podcasts is always to see things from a prophetic lens of what God is saying in these last days. And yesterday we began a, a, a study on the book of Jeremiah, and I'm excited about uh, the things that uh, we're going to be able to see today. So fasten your seatbelts, have your Bible ready, and, and let's get ready to study the Word of God. It is a pleasure, as always, to be here with the panel, Brother Marty, Brother Fernando, to be able, as always, is an honor to study the Word of God together and seek and to know what God is saying. So, Brother Marty with our seatbelts fastened <laughs> we'll leave yeah. it to you to share what God has placed in your heart as we study the word of God together
1: Yes, praise the lord we're looking forward to today's podcast we uh, we covered a uh, briefly the beginning of the 26th uh, chapter of the book of Jeremiah and uh, we began to speak on those things and and describe and 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 get insight into uh, just how uh, incredible it was that God would raise up uh, his prophet and bring him over a series of years to the point that we uh, began discussing uh, yesterday. And we're going to begin today from where we left off, uh, and I'm going to have Brother Jeremy uh, read uh, 20, uh, chapter 26 of the book of Jeremiah, verse 9 and 10. And if you have your Bibles, uh, we encourage you to to go ahead and open them and, and follow us along as, as we explore today's uh, word. And uh, we pray that the Lord blesses and, and allows us to discuss these things, because as we go on in this study, we're going to begin to see just how incredibly uh, uh, you know, similar the times are and quite possibly what the Lord is revealing in his word could just be ahead uh, in the days, uh, not too many days ahead for, for this country in which we live today. And with that in mind, we ask Brother Jeremy now, in the name of the Lord uh, Jesus, to, to read to us, would you please, Brother, uh, chapter 26, verse 9 and 10, and we'll begin our discussion today. Amen. Why hast
0: thou prophesied in the name of the Lord, saying, This house shall be like Shiloh, and this city shall be desolate without an inhabitant? And all the people were gathered against Jeremiah in the house of the Lord. When the princes of Judah heard these things, then they came up from the king's house unto the house of the Lord and sat down in the entry of the
1: new gate of the Lord's house. My, my. So we're going to title today's message, uh, the princes, When the Princes of Judah Heard These Things. When the princes of Judah heard and we're going to, before we get into that, let's just have a little bit of a, of a review. Uh, where we began yesterday was in Jeremiah 26, one, and we, we noted how that, uh, the, chapter 26 begins with, with the phrase in the beginning, in the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, you know, that very phrase in the beginning sets the tone for what's about to happen. Uh, that phrase in Scripture indicates something is about to begin. It's very rarely used, those three words, in the beginning. And so the Holy Spirit moving upon the prophet to begin uh, in his writings and recording of of this event here that we're looking into, when we see in the beginning again, it alerts us, uh, uh, you know, that something new was about to happen. In this case, really, the, the clock had begun ticking. And it was uh, it was the prophetic time clock, really. Uh, the culmination, uh, you know, is the best way to say it, of all the warnings of the prophets, which began with the prophet Isaiah and was now winding its ways downward, really, to the time of Jeremiah. Uh, about 200 years or so, uh, maybe a little less, Isaiah began prophesying, and, and it was now... Uh, from that point on until this point in, in jeremiah twenty six one uh that judgment was now beginning, and that 's why Jeremiah wrote in the beginning. the Holy Spirit had him writing those phrases it 's really interesting and and we'll we'll 'll we'll look at these things in in the in the days ahead, but the phraseology that the Holy Spirit interjects in the Word of God is always so vital and important to pay attention to, and so it basically set the tone that something new was happening. It began under the the rulership of Jehoiakim. They were just several years away, uh, really, from this point on, from, like we said, the culmination of the prophecies coming to pass. All that their culture and society, the establishment, both the political and, uh, and, and religious ruling establishment, the people as a whole uh, were being dealt with over a series of decades and, and through many and various ways, God spoke to the nation. And and, and it came to this. Uh, a transition was about to take place. And, and for all uh, reflective purposes, really what Jeremiah is alerting ourselves to is it's now going to begin. It's not a matter of the prophecies have now, uh, we're going to continue and the warnings were going to continue. What was now about to transpire, which is why he says in the beginning in verse 1, was the clock was now ticking. And the days were numbered for the nation and for the religious establishment <clears throat> and so it's under this climate after a series of years and years of of incredible rebellion against God in spite of the prophets who came because he sent them early like we looked at yesterday he He sent them early on and they're in their falling away and their compromise as a, as a people and again we emphasize that What we are looking at is a prophetic template, something that can be applied to our time. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he deals with people that go by his name in the same way he always has. And as we get into this and continue to look at it, we're going to see the striking similarity that led to the ultimate destruction of the people of that time and quite possibly should be alerting us in our time. And so the time had come. And God said now to the prophet, and really it had been somewhere between 20 and 25 years, which we'll see here in a second, Jeremiah had already been prophesying in his ministry. And what was unique to him, like we talked about yesterday, was that he was the prophet who wasn't prophesying about some far-flung future event as it pertained to the people of his day. He was going to be the prophet that actually witnessed what the prophets of old had predicted would come to pass should judah not turn should israel not turn should jerusalem not repent that that a power was rising that would come and sweep down into the land and literally bring the judgment of the lord to pass upon them for they had rejected his extended hand of grace but god tells him in in, uh, in verse 2, that, that the time had come, and, and he uses the word, now go take your stand in the court of the Lord's house. In other words, it's time for you, Jeremiah, to go and stand boldly in the anointing of the Holy Spirit and begin to proclaim all the words that I'm giving you now to this generation. And then in verse 2, he at the end of verse 2, he says, and when you go to preach, he says, do not diminish the word. Diminish not the word in verse 2 and we discussed that yesterday literally what he was telling him is i don't want you in any way shape or form to alter it to uh you know to 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 take away from it or to lessen the intensity of it don't water it down do not diminish a word it's time to boldly proclaim <clears throat> what must be proclaimed and then as we talked about in verse 3 he goes on and begins to reveal the heart of god because in verse 3 You know, he first, when he got there, began to preach grace to them, but grace in the sense of even now at this late hour, even now at this late date, even now up under the, the, the prophetic time clock beginning to tick and judgment is headed your way. He says, if you will hearken and turn to me, in essence, the Lord was saying through his prophet, I will forestall this judgment that i've purposed to do that's what he says in in verse three i'll i'll stop it and and that gives us an insight into into god's heart you know he's always portrayed as someone that just wants to bring judgment but that's not true judgment comes as a result of, of 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 a lengthy time of an extended hand of mercy and grace and god pleading with his people but here we see that even now in this late date when he sends his prophet with a heavy word to bring he begins by preaching grace. If you'll listen, if you'll turn, then I will heal you, and I will stop what is what is coming your way. And then in verse four, he says there, that the that the that the prerequisite for the for the uh, forestalling of the judgment was twofold. He said, "You shall say unto them, Jeremiah, in verse four, thus saith the Lord: If you will not listen to me to walk in my law, which I have set before you." And to uh, to listen to the words of my servants, the prophets, who I sent to you, both rising early and sending them, but you have not hearkened. So in essence, he was saying, this is going to be the only thing now that, that stops this, he says. One, you need to listen to me. Two, you need to walk in my law. And he basically was referring to the Torah, the established law that had been handed down from Moses. And the recorded writings uh, of the prophets up to that point and so he's literally telling them you're going to need to listen and you're going to need to turn and begin to follow my word uh, as it's been revealed to you and also the words of the prophets that I sent to you throughout the years uh, uh, you know and, and what's incredible about this brothers it to me is that is that n- literally it was going to require a complete cultural shift it would literally have at this point. Now, remember, we talked about this yesterday when Jeremiah is bringing this word. They had already uh, gone through a, a national revival under the rulership of Josiah, the great king who, who died on the plains of Armageddon, which we don't have time to get into and what that foreshadows. But it's a very, very profound that he died there in battle. He was he was killed in battle fighting against the Egyptian army. And and the ruler of Egypt at that time was Pharaoh Neco II, like we talked about yesterday. Very interesting. And because of his uh, of his death, uh, a transition of power came. But Pharaoh Neco was the one who came down into Jerusalem and and set up Jehoiakim as the king. And as a result of that, uh, he, he he changed his name from Eliakim to Jehoiakim. And Egypt was now uh, bringing a, a heavy taxation upon the people. What's interesting about this is that they were up under already a, a an unexpected defeat, right? I mean, they came out of Josiah into Jehoiakim, and now they've been defeated. And yet, they uh, it's not like, like the Egyptians had soldiers in the street, but it was well understood that they were subservient to Egypt. And you can read it in your own study how they were now required to send uh, taxation money back to egypt and so what it was kind of like a a real shift in the mindset of the people there was turmoil in other words that had come to the nation an unexpected change in the way that things had been had been going And, and so now here comes the prophet and he begins to tell them it's as if that they can't fully understand what has really impacted them and happened to them. You're talking about an old spirit here, right? I mean, because remember, this is this is Israel. They were delivered out of the hand of Pharaoh. That's, That's right. how they became a nation, right? So you're talking right. about an old spirit that came into the nation and began to dominate them again. God allowed that to happen at, in a measure so that in the hopes that it would cause the men of God, the priests of God, you know, the caretakers of God to recognize this and begin to stand up and preach a word or at least reflect on their own hearts and their own ministry and out of that uh, have a message birthed that could literally bring the nation to the place that it needed to be. But the fact that he sends Jeremiah and and, and he begins to be surrounded by these priests and these prophets that had no word from God is an indication of just how far the nation had declined. And that's what we're going to look at today in and, and, mm. and, and a second here. Because what was being prophesied here in verse 6 is that because if you don't turn, there's two things that are going to happen. One, the temple, which was the glory of the nation, the temple whose architectural design had been given by the Holy Spirit to King David who then provided all that was necessary for its construction and uh, its architectural plans and gave them to King Solomon, who built the temple over a seven-year period. And then when it was dedicated, the very glory of God filled the temple. Jerusalem, the city of the great king, King David's city, right? I mean, this was was the, the, the heartbeat of the nation. And now here comes the prophet to tell them, you need to repent. You are at up at such a late hour that the unthinkable is about to happen. And that is, if you don't repent, this is kind of like throwing down the spiritual gauntlet, right? If you don't repent at this point, he says, what's going to happen is the temple itself is going to be destroyed and burnt uh, to the ground. And so this capital city and all the surrounding cities, shall be burnt with fire and the people taken into captivity under one that's coming, Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian Empire. It's all going to be destroyed. And what's interesting in verse 6, can you read verse 6 to us, Brother Jeremy? Yes. It says, uh,
0: Then will I make this house like Shiloh and will make this city a curse to all the nations of the earth.
1: Now okay, now let's just pause here for a second because this is a little bit more intense than 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 what what meets the eye on the surface. First he tells them, you know, look to your past and see what I did to a previous place in your country <laughs> that once had uh the, the, the tabernacle in the wilderness. That was Moses' tabernacle that he constructed. It was brought into the promised land when Joshua led the tribes into the promised land after the 40-year wandering in the wilderness. It came to rest in Shiloh, which was in the territory of the tribe of Ephraim, from which tribe uh, Joshua came. So they set up the tabernacle there, and then they built around it like a temple structure, and that became the very first seat of the place where the offerings of God were being uh, offered and and the priests were, and the Word of God was taught, where where the children of Israel would come up three times a year for the yearly feast. Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles, and it, and it existed there for hundreds of years. But when when the ministry got corrupted, and and uh, Brother Fernando mentioned this yesterday, when the high priest was Eli and his sons Hophni and Phinehas, the ministry had become so corrupt by that point that ultimately it was destroyed. The house of God was destroyed, the ark was taken captive, and Shiloh was destroyed. So here comes Jeremiah hundreds of years later and says, you know what? Uh, the same thing is going to happen to Jerusalem, which was the unthinkable. But what he goes on to say here is that not only will that happen, the the temple will be destroyed, but the city, the capital city itself, listen to what he said, it's going to become a curse to all the nations of the earth. Mm. And that's really profound because if you think about it, brothers, it remains that way to this day, (laughs) doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: Right. It's,
1: it's, it's interesting because uh,
0: as the first temple, Solomon's temple was destroyed, right? It also happened to the second temple, exactly the same way. In chapter 24, we see the disciples kind of kind of uh well, they're they are um mesmerized, right, by the temple that was their pride. And the yeah. exact same thing that happened in the days of Jeremiah happened in the days of Jesus when Titus came and destroyed the temple.
1: So Very much so. And if you can look at it and see it the right way, uh, you know, remember the Bible says that the spirit of Christ was in the prophets when they prophesied, right? Mm. And so in in a sense, Jeremiah is a figure of, of the Lord Jesus, right? He basically comes and says to them, if you can see it, not one stone will be left upon another here, right? <laughs> because yes. you yeah. You've rejected the Lord, I didn't mean to cut you off. But go ahead. What, what else were you going
0: to say? Oh no, no. What what we see here is a it, the word is not cycle. We see here a um, that it's Matter. prophecy happening again. What what we what we said many times on the podcast. Prophecy is not just declaring what the future brings, but it's it's a cycle that happens yeah. again. Prophecy happening, and it's going to happen again
2: <laughs> in yeah. this
0: hour so yeah again and
1: and that's that's a very very uh you know ominous thing that you just said there but that's that's in fact the truth that is what's going to happen and and were you going to say something brother fernando
3: not at all brother
1: okay here we go so here we go now we go into after he pronounces this judgment i just found it interesting there in verse six that that that's indeed what happened. We know that that the first temple was destroyed. Bab- Babylon came. Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the whole thing. But what's interesting, and 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 we don't have time to get into this, but we will because the Lord is 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 revealing some pretty profound things as we get into this in the coming days, but uh, and weeks ahead, really. Uh, here we see Jeremiah enter into a level of prophecy that goes well beyond uh, what actually uh was 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 uh, pertaining to that time period because he pronounces a curse on jerusalem and it's a curse that will that will literally uh affect the all the nations of the world
3: it would re- reverberate throughout the nations of the world then and even now right according to zechariah yeah. that jerusalem shall be a cup of trembling a burdensome stone um, to yeah. the whole world to this very day
1: Now think about what you just said brother Because because what we're talking about here And as we go on in the days ahead As the Lord allows What we're going to see Just that very phrase that you're talking about Jeremiah is revealing here By the spirit of the Lord Or the Lord through Jeremiah is revealing here That far more was involved In the decline of of the nation of Israel in the much larger context, in the unfolding plan of God that has its origins before the foundation of the world, coming to this point in history that we're examining right now, he reveals something right here. That even though his people are about to be judged, and rightfully so, that the implications of its judgment. Like you said, good word, would reverberate not only to the nations of the world of that day, but it's a curse that remains in play to this day. Who would have thunk it (laughs) that, you know, after the uh, Brother Jeremy mentioned the destruction of the second temple in A.D. 70 with Titus and his forces that came from Rome, burnt it to the ground and the Jews were scattered to the four corners of the earth and there was no more Israel. Who would have thought it? 21 centuries later, from that point to our day, in this modern, sophisticated, technological, um, you know, globally connected world that we find ourselves in, that even now, thousands of years later, Jerusalem remains a curse unto all the nations of the world. The attention of the world is focused on the Middle East, and and it's still it. Right. And, and and so its origins, we find the implications here, like Brother Fernando said, it reverberates and has been reverberating even up until our time. Are you there? Yes. Okay. So now, what was their reaction to this? Would you read that in verse 7 and 8, Brother Jeremy?
0: Yes. So the priest
1: and the prophets and all the
0: people heard Jeremiah speaking these words in the house of the Lord. Now it came to pass, when Jeremiah had made an end of speaking all that the Lord had commanded him to speak unto all the people, that the priest and the prophets and all the people took him, saying, Thou shalt surely die.
1: Thou shalt surely die. So the reaction to this level of, of, of preaching, this prophecy that he came and stood uh, you know, in the in the very courtyards of God, and like we described yesterday, this was a massive temple structure. And the courtyards is where the people would gather, thousands of them. And and that's where God sent him. And and so it wasn't like he was hiding in a corner somewhere. He made it very public. And when he did and began to speak along these lines. Uh, and, and like you just read there in verse 8, uh, that notice what it says. Like we were talking about yesterday in verse 7, the priests and the prophets and all the people. They heard Jeremiah speaking these words in the house of the Lord. And it came to pass that Jeremiah made an end to speaking all that the Lord had commanded him to speak to all the people, the priests and the prophets. They decided to kill him. <laughs> that was their reaction to this. This is a hard people, man, Right. You know, this is one hard culture. He came preaching an unpopular message, um, you know, in a time uh, where you would think, man, we just had this, we just had this great battle. You know, we lost Josiah. We've now transitioned to Jehoiakim. It's a new time. It's in the beginning of his reign. I mean, think about it. Whenever we transition power in this country, normally you know we, when we have an inauguration there's hope even if you don't agree with you know everything that the of the new president or whatever you know there's a there's a hope there's there's there's, there's a hope that maybe it's all going to be okay well that's how they were feeling there's a hope maybe that, you know maybe things are going to be okay and into this this climate of a of a pseudo uh aspiration to good days ahead jeremiah not only comes to preaching a, a word that's completely contrary to the public consciousness but the spiritual consciousness amongst the leadership and the people that claim to be followers of god they 're looking for good things, and he comes and tells them not only not only are you guys wrong and you need to repent, not only are you not following god 's word but now you 've come to the point that even your 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 pseudo optimism isn't going to save you if you don 't repent and remind yourself that you've reached the uh, the time frame that was spoken of the prophets of old. He says not only is this temple that we're standing in right now going to be burnt to the ground but the entire city itself and the nation will be destroyed and its curse will will reverberate to the ends of the earth all the nations of the world and when they heard him saying that they grabbed a hold of him and arrested him and when it gets to verse 8 and they say thou shalt surely die like we talked about yesterday they were basically quoting the mosaic law that's afraid When a prophet comes, right, and his word doesn't come to pass, that prophet shall surely die. This was a pronunciation of the priests and and the prophets and then influencing the people that he should die. That's why we were talking about the the spirit of Christ in him and Jeremiah, uh, kind of a, a type and a figure of Christ, right? Isn't that what they said about Christ? He shall surely die. Right, this yeah, one yeah, right. prophet shall die. <laughs> uh, but notice that they couldn't put him to death, just like the Jews in Jesus day couldn't put Jesus to death without consulting the political establishment, which is about to make its appearance in verse ten. Right, but understand when when Jeremiah was making these prophecies, he'd already been a prophet to them for many many years, and it's almost like we're so sick of this dude. Right, all he ever does is bring you know heavy words. Brother Jeremy, read to us, it's in, I think it's it's in, uh, in Jeremiah 25, verse 3. Jeremiah gives uh, the, uh, you know, how long he'd been preaching. And we're going to get an understanding of why they reacted this way. Read verse 3 to us, would you, in chapter 25?
0: Yes. It says, from the 13th year of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, even unto this day, that is the three and twentieth year. The word of the Lord hath come unto me, and I have spoken unto you, rising early and speaking, but ye have not hearkened. And reverse war with you. And the Lord hath sent unto you all his servants, the prophets, rising early and sending them, but ye have not hearkened. Nor incline your ear
1: to hear. So here in verse three, he he he, he reminds them, I've been preaching to you for twenty three years, <laughs> you know, and and uh, I've been I've been I've been bringing this word to you, man. And you read at in, in the beginning of chapter twenty five, you'll see it's right when the transition took place. He said, I haven't changed my word since the days of Josiah up until the death of Ammon, and now here comes his son. Jehoiakim, I'm preaching the same word, and and the prophets of God have been sent to you. He, he, I mean, he's been he's been chipping away at any goodwill or chamber of commerce kind of moment. And Jeremiah was not a public relations kind of specialist, right? <laughs> he he didn't try to 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 frame the word in, in such a way that it would, you know, he would get invitations to the biggest synagogues across the land to come speak and hold camp meetings. He he wasn't that kind of a preacher, man. You know, you know,
0: as 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 you mentioned, Brother Marty, yesterday, Jeremiah lasted about three kingdoms, right? Yes. And and that speaks of the longevity of of his prophetic ministry. It lasted three kingdoms.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And and what's interesting about that, again, like we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast and yesterday's as well, is what makes his ministry unique is that very fact you know, is that he was a prophet to his generation and would live to see the fulfillment, not only of the prophets who prophesied before him, but also the fulfillment of the words that he was called of God to give and deliver to his generation. And that's what makes it unique. That's what makes it uh, very much something that we need to pay attention to, because God always raises up his prophets in the midst of when a nation's about to be to be uh brought under the scrutiny of, of the courtroom of heaven so to speak. And you know it, it it over these years like we were talking about in Jeremiah 25 verse 3 he gives the litany to them. As he's as he's unfolding these words, he says, "Look, I've been preaching the same consistent word to you like we spoke of for for uh, you know, almost 25 years." He at the in verse 3 he says 23 years. By the time we're talking here, you know, it's been about 25 in between 20 and 25 years. Uh, chapter 26 that we're looking and examining but we get but, but we can see uh you know what it is that that garnered such intense um uh, you know resistance to him you know the the, the false <laughs> he'd been calling out these false prophets like we said for several years and and it culminates with with the Jeremiah 26 account that we're reading and studying and and and, and it gives this great understanding if we'll go back a little bit and look at some of the things that he had been saying to them leading up to this confrontation in the courtyard that literally would 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 shake uh, the city and and get the attention of the princes of Judah they would come and and remember uh and we'll look at this in a second but it wasn't until he began to prophesy the destruction of the capital city <laughs> that they came in verse 10 up until then, to let the religious people be the religious people, right? But right. When, you start, <laughs> when you start talking <laughs> about, uh, my gosh, you know, my our power base is about to be destroyed too, that's what got their attention. And we'll, we'll look mm. at that in a second. But before we get to verse 10, you know, let's just look at what garnered such intense hatred for him. Because it really gives weight to when we examine the words that he spoke, the mission that God sent him. It's the culmination of two and a half plus decades of ministry. And now he stands there, not as the child of verse of chapter 1, right, where he's 25 years old, but now he's a fully grown prophet of God who's been through a lot. He's been seasoned by the Holy Spirit. He's been accurate since the moment that God touched his mouth and opened his eyes. But we've got a prophet mm-hmm. now that's functioning, right? We've got a prophet now that's functioning under incredible anointing, incredible presence of God. He already prophesied, like we read earlier, that the entire city of Jerusalem would become a curse to the whole nations of the world and and that that has carried forth almost three millennia two and a half millennia right two and a half thousand years into the future. His words are still relevant to our time, but I want to just look for a few verses here before we continue in the study, and let's just take a look at the conditions and what it was that Jeremiah was saying to these men before he he delivered this word that we're looking at today, and to do that, we need to go back to jeremiah chapter twenty three very familiar passages of scripture there, but let's take a look at this uh, in Jeremiah 23. Can you turn over there, guys, and uh, let's take a look at this. Well, Jeremy, before we uh, before we get into to, to the things that, that Jeremiah had been, you know, dealing with them over years, several years, listen to what he says here, because it's very interesting and very much important for us to understand. For those of you that are saying, well, why are you looking at you know, ancient history like this, because we're not, we're actually looking at stuff that pertains to our country today. And this is what we're going to see. So read Jeremiah 23 verse 20 and listen to what Jeremiah says.
0: Amen. It says, um, the anger of the Lord shall not return until he have executed until he have performed the thoughts of his heart in the latter days you shall consider it perfectly.
1: Whoa. I mean, that's an incredible Mm -hmm. statement. Because Mm -hmm. what the prophet is revealing there and what he's revealing to the culture of his day is that though all these things are going to happen and God is indeed going to execute the judgment and and he's going to indeed perform the things that he said would come, the truth of the matter is, is that what is happening in our time has its connection to the final days of human history. And he says, you'll begin to understand what's happening now even more profoundly in the latter days. You're gonna understand it perfectly. And and, and that's important to understand for our times because he was speaking to our generation. He was speaking to the far-flung future. And those that would review and re-examine these situations that we're looking at would begin to see that something more profound is happening in our time that had had its origins back in their time and that's exactly what he said everything that is beginning now he says will carry forward and begin to be perfectly understood in the last days and so when he begins to 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 address them and, and his ministry began to call them out they were a generation up under judgment It was several years before chapter 26 that he began to deal with them and why they responded to him in such an intense way uh has its origins in chapter 23 uh, amongst other messages he gave but i think this is a good thing to look at and and understand those of you that, that are following along with us what we're going to see here will sound incredibly eerily similar to our times trust me and to the corruption of the ministry and the corruption of of the church in this country and across the West. Let's let's begin with verse 1 and 2. Would you read that? Chapter 23,
0: verse 1 and 2. Woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith the Lord. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, against the pastors that feed my people, Ye have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not visited them. Behold, I will visit upon you the evil of your doing, saith the Lord.
1: So, Jeremiah, you know, we, we can understand by the time we get to chapter 26 and they arrest him and want to kill him. They've been dealing with this prophet for years. He's already been calling them out in the public square. It culminates in the courtyard of the house of the Lord. Many times he would stand in the gates of the city and, and preach to the people about how corrupt things were, but when we get to chapter twenty three he begins to address the leadership specifically. The Lord is addressing the leadership today in this country; they have no clue what's going on; they're eerily silent, and the origin of it can be found in their corruption and and what did he identify he said He said that they they were corrupt they were they, they had scattered the flock of God. But when you dig into these words, what you'll begin to find out, what he was actually saying, was that you've caused the flock or the people of God to become disillusioned by your behavior and the way that you're conducting yourselves in the house of God. You've scattered them. You've driven them away by your behavior. Let me tell you something. In our time, I cannot tell you, and you guys are experienced, you know, in the church for many years as well. You know as well as I do, how many people have we run into over the years in all the places that we've traveled that tell us the same thing? And we've heard it year after year after year. I just can't seem to find a place where there's no frills, man. It's just it's just praise, worship, and the true preaching of the Word of God or teaching of the Word of God. And so as a result, after years of going to this church and that church and this congregation and that congregation, they've become disillusioned. And, and they've retired and removed themselves away from the public institution of the church, not because they're backslidden, but simply because they're hurt, and 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 and, <laughs> and they find nothing there. They've, in, in a way, they've been driven away by by the compromise right. that they've seen in the church, right? And and, right. and he says, and and what he addresses in verse two to those pastors is he says. He says you have scattered them you have the way you've acted in my house the way you've treated them or the lack of the way that you've treated them they've scattered it sounds a lot like like uh, Matthew uh, chapter 10 i think it is or, or the end of chapter 9 in the book of Matthew where where the lord says uh, where it says of the lord that he he saw that that the israel was scattered like sheep right having no shepherd remember that phrase, that uh, that uh that scripture we're talking about he he was yeah. moved with he says he was moved with compassion for them, so they were like sheep that were scattered abroad, having no shepherd and and right. and that was that was the same condition here and and that yes. kind of lends a connection to what you were talking about you know how the second temple was destroyed it was the same kind of thing, but here he deals with them and talks about the very behavior and notice uh what he says and what he ties it to he says in verse two. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of Israel against the pastors, that what? That feed my people. Mm. So he, he identifies the word that's being preached. And he identifies the true flock of God as my people. The ones that love the Lord, that love his word. He says, you've been feeding them. And as a result of them being exposed to your corrupt ministries, They've scattered abroad. You've driven them away. Remember what Jesus said to the Pharisees? My sheep hear my voice. And another they will not follow. This is this is, <laughs> this is the condition that Jeremiah began to be moved by the Spirit of the Lord to deal with. They're only a few years from being judged as a nation, as a ministry, and all the other things that we've been talking about. And the hatred that he received in chapter 26 was a result of this kind of messages that he was bringing and laying it right at the doorstep of the pulpit, if you will, in, in, in Jerusalem, in, in Israel. He, he laid it right at the step uh, of the leadership in the house of God. He says, yeah. you're responsible for feeding them, but the result of, of the corrupt word that you've brought forth to them has literally scattered them. They've They've left my house you've driven them away, verse 2. And it shows the condition of the heart of the preachers of that day. You didn't go visit them. Yes. yes, Right? You you didn't care, in other words. There's always another one coming in. It it didn't matter to you. Because what he was exposing was, was the intent and the motivation of the heart of the minister. And he says, as a result of this, I'm going to visit you. He calls it evil doings. Now.
0: Brother Marty, yes. as as you were speaking, it reminds me again of the days of Eli and his sons Hophni and Phinehas. So much was their sin, you know, aside from sleeping with the women. And the, the Bible says something about it that, you know, has to do with what we're talking about. That the sin of the young man. This is in First Samuel, chapter two, verse seventeen. That the sin of the young man was was so great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. They began to despise it. They began yeah. to to pull away because of the sins of yeah. the of the sons of Eli. Exactly, you know what Jeremiah is telling them. You know, feeding my sheep, right? And you, you don't. You scatter them, and and yeah. that's why so many people are disillusioned with with uh, with with the gospel, or with with church, whatever you want to call it. And as yeah. it happened in the days of Eli with his two sons, you know, there's a mirror image of what was taking place in Jeremiah's time and what is taking place
1: today. And you're right, Brother Jeremy. And that's one of the reasons that we were looking in, in Jeremiah 26 when he mentioned Shiloh, right? He says, I'm going to destroy yes. it like I did Shiloh. It's why it made the the preachers and, and the prophets and priests in the temple so angry. They knew exactly what he was saying. He was saying, you're as bad as Eli, Hophni, and Phineas. That's what he was telling them. Right. And, 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 right. and you know, the spiritual pride that existed within the ministry was such a level you have to understand, to, to, to us uh, who aren't familiar, uh, if you haven't studied, you know, the history, uh, <clears throat> there was there was a real competition that existed uh, between uh, the tribe of Ephraim and the tribe of Judah. Ephraim prided itself on the fact that the very first place that the capital of of Israel existed was in Shiloh and it was and and it and it came to rest there that is the ark of the covenant under the leadership of Joshua who happened to be of the tribe of Ephraim and so when it was destroyed and the royal kingship came to rest in the line of Judah under king David and the temple was erected there there was forever a resentment between the true tribes even when you get up into the uh, into Samaria when you when you study the history and you see how the kingdom split after Solomon died Jeroboam took 10 tribes and reestablished the capital up in the territory of what was once Ephraim's territory and so there was this constant spiritual contention that was taking place between them they hated each other in that sense and so did the ministry uh, amongst the the, the, the different uh, you know ministers that existed in the different places where where the presence of God once stood. And so it's it's so layered in in, in and resonates amongst the ears of of the leadership of that time, when Jeremiah tells them you're going to be just like Shiloh. Remember Shiloh, and he was laying the gauntlet right at their feet and says you are no better than Eli. Hophni and Phineas, who you just read about, and you too, here in chapter twenty-three, you scattered my sheep. You haven't fed them, and you don't care. You are, for all you know, spiritual effect. You have caused the people uh, to abhor the offering of God. And so He addresses their leadership. And then in verse eleven, we'll just skip through some things here. <clears throat> what what God says about about the the, the leadership uh, in His house? Can you read that to us, brother Jeremy?
0: Is that in verse 11 of chapter 23? That's correct. For both prophet and priest are profane. Yea, in my house have I
1: found their wickedness, saith the Lord. <clears throat> so this is this is the condition. He, he talks about not only <clears throat> the pastors or the ministers in the house, he also takes it to the next level, and, and he's dealing with the prophets. Prophets and priests are profane. And he says they're profane in my house. I have found their wickedness. How they conduct themselves in the house of God. Remember a couple, a week ago or so, when your father was visiting, we talked about um, that scripture in Corinthians where he he talked about the the defiling of the temple of God, right? Whose temple you are. Woe be unto any man who defiles the temple of God. And we're the temple of God. So he was admonishing the preachers and what they preach to the church, in essence, either Mm. edifies it, cleans it, and keeps it holy, or it defiles it. It's the same presence here. That's what the Lord's talking about. You've come into my house, the physical temple, and you've actually flooded it with your profanity, your profaneness. The word profane means to be absolutely morally corrupt and Mm. defiled by personal behavior. This is a secretive minister. This is is a minister that covers up what he really is. Their leadership was public, and they did uh, the service in the house of the Lord in the public. But in private, they had many things going on in their lives that God was aware of, and he called them profane, morally corrupt the description uh, of what they did was absolutely uncovered by jeremiah and again we're talking about their response to him when he comes and preaches in the courtyard and they want to kill him you're gonna die well it's been after several years of him calling them out like this and this is some of the things he said to them but notice what god says because it reminds me a lot of today because the conditions we're talking about exist and are rampant in the ministry today in the national ministry of the united states of america the corrupt ministry. It is why we are where we are. Don't forget the theme that we're talking about here. Look what he says will be the result of their behavior and what will transpire into their ministry, verse 12. Can you read verse 12, Brother Jeremy?
0: Yes. Wherefore, their way shall be unto them as slippery ways in the darkness. They shall be driven on and farther in, for I will... Bring evil upon them, even the year of their visitation,
1: saith the Lord. <laughs> That's intense. Because basically, he says from from now going forward, he's literally saying that that because you've persisted in this manner, uh, your ability to see will be absolutely and completely removed from you. You won't be able to have a sure footing, and you're going to be driven driven on and you're going to fall in your ministries and he talks about the year of their visitation a particular set time that will that will bring this upon them and then he begins to describe in verse verse 14 can you read verse 14 to us brother Jeremy because he begins to describe their personal behavior would you read that
0: I have seen also in the prophets of Jerusalem and horrible thing they commit adultery and walk in lies, they strengthen also the hands of evil doers that none doth return from his wickedness. They are all of them unto me as Sodom and the inhabitants thereof as Gomorrah.
1: unbelievable I mean do you wow. hear what he's calling his his ministers he says you're oh. like sodom, you're like sodomites. You're like Gomorrah. Right. Unbelievable. You wonder why they wanted to kill him when he finally made his way to the courtyard of the house of God's temple? He's been talking oh, to like God. this. this <laughs> he's been talking to them like this for years. And, and, and he's preaching that. You're like the sodomites, man. That's incredible what
3: he says to them.
1: But he exposes what's going on behind the scenes. You commit adultery.
3: And, and all that. all that, I mean, even they called call them that. People yeah, him that's true. of Sodom, uh, of, right? So it, it was an a evolving thing. It, it got worse, you know?
1: That's a really good point, Brother Fernando, because really, like Jeremiah started out saying, right? He said, look, uh, he, I, I've been preaching to you for 23 years, and basically, I haven't changed my message. I came to you early preaching what does say the Lord, but he also draws on the prophets of old, right? And says basically, my message draws its authority from the word of God that predated me. And so it's interesting that you're, you mentioned that because he's he's quoting uh, uh, Isaiah, right? He's he's basically entering into the same spirit as Isaiah. That's incredible what you pointed out. That's a good point, right? But then he calls him he calls him Gomorrah too, <laughs> right? Basically a a
0: ruined heap. That's what is that's what he's calling him. Yes. Yes, a a a a, a ruined heap, you know, a, a, a land that, you know, what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah? It was burned.
1: Burned with fire. A ruined
0: heap. That's what he's calling them. <laughs>
1: Tremendous. But remember what what the what the sin of Sodom really was, right? It it, it was it was the uh, it was uh, their pride, right? Uh, their fullness of bread, prosperity, and their abundance of idleness. In other words, they were lazy. They weren't. They weren't. They weren't seeking God. They weren't working in the house of God. They weren't putting in the hard hours in study, and in uh, and in seeking the Lord, so that they could shepherd the people of God like they were supposed to. I'm talking about preachers now. I'm talking about the ministry now. And he said, you know, you've you've got spiritual pride. You, you, you're full, and and <laughs> and you're lazy. Abundance of idleness, and it's trans. And it's and it's uh and it's filtered down to the people. He calls out their message. He he talks about uh he says it's a horrible thing. In, in verse fourteen he says, They commit adultery. And remember what Jesus said? He said, If you even so much at look at look at a woman with lust in your eyes, but this was actual physical adultery. They were sleeping around and they were covering it up. How many creatures could we give a list of in the United States that have been exposed for, for all the crazy things they've been doing? over the years you know all the phoniness it's no different it's the same story and this message was being brought forth now as they're approaching headlong chapter 26 where in the beginning of Jehoiakim's reign now comes the gauntlet down and says it's begun and the clock is ticking and the inevitable outcome is going to be the destruction of the temple like in Shiloh and the burning of the city that's literally going to reverberate like brother Fernando said to the ends of the world and in the latter days you're even going to understand what we're preaching right now even more perfectly yes they walk right they walk in lies That means that they distorted the word of God because the word of God is truth, right? My words, they are spirit and they are truth. He says, you create lies to walk in. Distortion of doctrine is what he's talking about. And you strengthen the hands of evildoers. In other words, he's Mm. calling them out because their message didn't produce the kind of conviction and guidance and parameters that are necessary to keep a godly people walking the straight and narrow in the midst of a crooked and heathen paganistic culture that they found themselves surrounded by. He says, you do yes. the opposite, right? <laughs> and he says, as a result of this, none returns from his wickedness. Nobody's repenting. They're comfortable. Right. <laughs> right? They're, they're comfortable That's what's happening today. to today." That's what we're saying. <laughs> you know, it's exactly
0: you see the, the world walking hand in hand with the church. You yeah. know? It's not conviction. Comfortably. You know. And 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 you know what what you said, it's begun. And that's yeah. a word for today, too. This is no longer brother, this is gonna happen. No. It's begun, my brothers and sisters. You that are listening, it's begun. The same thing, it's begun. The judgments of God. It's not that they're gonna come, they've begun.
1: They have right. begun. <clears throat> they have begun, and and that that's what he that's why he called them out in verse twelve here of chapter twenty three, verse twelve, because he says because you have profaned yourself right in verse eleven, you're morally corrupt and you've defiled yourselves and my house. He says from this point on, you're going, you know, you're going to what should have been a well illuminated, holy, in, uh, spirit inspired revelation and word. For the times that you could give my people instead a darkness is going to come upon you so that when they turn to you and look for a word you have nothing it's a judgment on the preachers right now in this country that they have nothing nothing wow. they have mm. nothing <laughs>
2: yeah
1: right. right they have little tap dance messages they have little hopes and awakenings and we're headed to revival he says he says, you walk in lies, man. You know, you've distorted the truth. Your doctrine is corrupt, and that's what you choose to walk in. All you've done is strengthen the hands of the evildoers, the people that are sinning, my people. He's not talking about the world. He says, your preaching has caused them to rely on lies and falsehood, and they do not turn. They don't even know they're supposed to turn. You're like Sodom and Gomorrah. That's incredible. That's intense. <laughs> oh, man. Yes. My Lord. God help us. You don't think yes. we're like Sodom and Gomorrah in the United States? Huh. I
3: think
1: a walk down to West Hollywood in LA. Go walk down in West Hollywood right now. Or go, go go over to San Francisco. You guys were born and raised there. You know what goes on there. Go down to Manhattan. Right. Go over to Miami. Go past tracks in, in Portland, Oregon right now. Go to Portland, yeah. Go to Portland, Oregon. Good luck, Seattle. <laughs> Seattle. Late, late last night, they're so corrupt and stupid that late last night their city council made it official and they've stripped the entire police force of its funding. They finally did it, and and the police chief wow. resigned uh, in absolute horror last night. She resigned in Seattle. Wow. But good good luck, Seattle. Good luck, preachers in Seattle. What you've been doing for the last forty years? How in the world did that city get to that kind of a condition? How did that happen under your shepherding, you false prophets and preachers out there? What has happened is a result of your profaneness and your corruption. And God is calling you out. Everything that's coming down on this country is going to be laid at your feet. Because the failure is in those that purport to be the leadership in the house of God. And God is saying enough is enough, and God is calling out to his people to bypass that corruption, as we'll see here in a moment. But these are the kinds of words that Jeremiah was speaking to the leadership. This is why they arrested him that day, <laughs> and this is why they wanted to shut him up. They wanted to kill him. Remember, he'd been preaching like this for several years, so when they said, thou shalt surely die, they say, well, it's been several years. Nothing's happened, so you should die. You're a false prophet. Right? We're still here. The temple's still here. The city's still here. And you're still here. Now you're in the courtyard of the Lord telling us everything's coming down. Well, you've been saying that for 23 years. Oh, my, my, my. <laughs> listen, listen. So then the Lord, from that point on, the Lord now pronounces what's going to flow out of their ministry, how they're going to, to be altered in the way that things happen. Would you read verse 15? This is what he also said to them.
0: He says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts concerning the prophets, Behold, I will feed them with wormwood and make them drink the water of gall. For from the prophets of Jerusalem is profaneness gone forth into
1: all the land. See, brothers and sisters who listen to us and have been following uh, what the Lord has been teaching over the last several months on these podcasts, you know that we have said over and over and over again that what has come to rest in the United States right now in this moment in this time since January 1st up till now it has been literally the unleashing of a, of a judgment across society what we are witnessing literally falls at the feet of the false ministry the mega churches the false prophets and pastors and preachers of our country the west long ago uh you know relinquished its 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 great greatness and I'm talking about Europe, you know, the, the the British Isles and the great missionaries, the Spurgeons and, and and the great men and women of God that came out of those places in Scotland and Ireland and, and England and, and across Europe. Uh, now, the, only 5% of the population even goes to church. So really, the, the the lighthouse of Christianity came to rest on these shores here in the United States of America. And for 230 plus years in this country, we have been blessed by God. But over the last century, really, we've seen a decline that has given way to, uh, to, to the place that we find ourselves in now. And the, and the blame, we do not lay it at, at, at the Democrats or the Republicans or, 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 or the worldly people in our country. We lay it squarely at the doorstep of the denominational world. Whether they be Catholic, Presbyterian, Baptist, Pentecostal, hyper-charismatic, whatever you want to call them, the leadership at a national level, those who control the message in the media at a very high level, for decades now they have corrupted the house of God and brought the nation to the point where we are today, where the streets are being flooded with violence, where the churches have been shut where the word of God that should be being sought for clarity and direction now at the national level amongst the so-called pseudo-prophets, there is absolutely nothing. They have absolutely nothing. And the reason they have nothing is a sign of judgment. Because what God said to them here in verse 15 is, "Is I'm going to feed you, the prophets and priests, with wormwood. I'm mm. going to feed you. You didn't feed my people. <laughs> So now I'm going to feed you, and this is what I'm going to feed you. He says wormwood, and 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 really, what wormwood, <laughs> what wormwood is, is is uh, is, is that that they're going to feed on something that corrupts morally. That's literally what that means to be corrupted morally, or, or it, it has a sense in the Hebrew of of, of moral corruption. Instead of what should have been the word of God, what they should have been feeding on the word of God, he's going he's to overfeed them with the very thing that they've been feeding on already that has led to the, the decline of the nation and brought it to the brink of absolute destruction. And instead of the spirit of God, he says, I'm going to give you drink, right? Water represents the spirit. What he was trying to say through the prophet, I'm going to give you gall to drink. And what's really profound, brothers, about that is that gall, if you do your study, you'll see uh, it, it comes from a plant uh, from where they derived narcotics. <laughs> uh, you know, the deadening of of, of of the senses. It's a narcotic. They used to get their narcotics from this plant. They called it a gall. gall. And and what he was literally saying was that you're going to, now all you're going to feed on and uh, is going to be that which is going to further corrupt you and the society morally. Instead of eating on the pure word of God, you're going to eat on the thing that you have desired the most. And instead of drinking from the pure water of life of the Holy Spirit, you're going to drink gall. That's what you're going to have. It's going to dull you. It's a narcotic, right? It's going to dull you spiritually. And the fruit that you'll produce out of this ministry will be a desensitized people in the house of God. And the result, which comes from the prophets, he says, his profaneness has gone into all the land, if we haven't seen the result of a morally corrupt establishment church that has filled its mega churches buildings with people that don't even know the first principles of the oracles of God, they have no clue what the true gospel of Jesus Christ is, and they have been allowed to exist for years now in this state without any any true gospel being given to it because from the head to the back, <laughs> to the very back of, of this kind of, of pseudo Christianity, the whole thing's corrupt. It's morally mm-hmm. corrupt. It's, it's spiritually dead and, and profaneness has filled the land. That's what he said. Profaneness literally means to have a veiled hypocrisy. See, they're now functioning under a satanic spirit of complete delusion and falsehood and it's and it's filtered down to the majority of the congregations that's incredible any any comments that's just i i don't know you know again he had been exposing their messages he'd been exposing their ministries man that's what he's doing he'd been doing it for years by the time he comes to jeremiah 26 and they want to kill him this is why they want to kill it they've had enough and now he comes into their territory and, and throws the gauntlet down in one of the biggest gatherings of, of the nation up to that point. If you go do your research, you'll see there were thousands of people there when Jeremiah's preaching that Jeremiah 26 message we're talking about. We're looking at Jeremiah it 23. Makes,
3: so It go ahead. makes sense, Brother Marty. Uh, one of the most perplexing things that I find nowadays is my conversations with so-called Christians and their attitudes. And it always puzzles me because... Uh, they claim to be Christian, but they're not spiritually minded. And, and they don't talk about the coming of the Lord. They don't talk about Jesus. But what you just said there really brought a lot of light to this question I've had for a couple of years that that, that the Lord would give the preachers uh, this. this uh, uh, journal, Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And, and, yeah. And because of that, they're going to feed that to the people. Yes and it answers a lot of questions as to why the people seem to be completely out of touch Christians now, God's people, with what's yes. going on. It's because it's what they're hearing from the preachers, and it's a judgment of God upon the people. Think about that now yes and and this this is what's over their life right now and and again, we're talking about mega churches now and even going down to the denominational churches. Yes. You know, because of their unwillingness to hear the word of the Lord.
1: That's good. That's exactly right, brother. And that, that's that's what we're that's what we're seeing, right? That's what we're seeing. That's why he said in verse twenty, right? In the latter days, you're going to understand this even more perfectly. That that, that echoes to our time, because he says, "You people in the future, right." Down the corridors of all the history that's yet to unfold, when you get to the latter days of your time and you see these same things happening, he says, you're going to understand it even more perfectly. Because even though my people Israel and Judah were judged, it is a miniature type of what would happen in the end of the world to the whole planet. And, and and oh I better not divert here, but but remember there there's yet a whore that rides a beast, right? She is she carries with her this spirit of Sodom, this spirit of Gomorrah, this spirit of of pseudo religion that, that and she sits on many waters. She's yet to be judged. And that's what he's referencing. And and, and and I hope the Lord opens those things up at the appropriate time and we can show you some things that that'll just astound you what Jeremiah was saying because it's quoted at length in the book of Revelation by the Apostle John as an ultimate fulfillment for our time, but that's for another day. Remember, judgment had already begun. This is how God's talking to them. Uh, under, you remember Pharaoh Nico established Jehoiakim. This is when Jeremiah is speaking in these several years. Nebuchadnezzar is soon to appear. But But look at what they continued to preach. The prophet was warning them, and this is what they continue to preach. And, and Jeremiah exposes it. And this is one of the reasons they hated him, because he's about to leap over their pseudo-authority and begin to address their congregations with a hard word. Look what he says in verse 16. Could you, could you read that to us, Brother Jeremy? 23:16. This was their message, and this is what Jeremiah now jumps over them and calls them out by the Spirit of the Lord. It's powerful.
0: Thus saith the Lord of hosts, hearken not unto the words of the prophets that prophesy unto you. They make you vain. They speak a vision of their own heart and not out of the mouth of
1: the Lord. Incredible. They, he said, these prophets, he begins to address their congregations. (laughs) That's awesome to me, man. That's bold. Do you want to know why they hated this brother so much? Because it was like he got so caught up in the spirit of God and then totally ignored their pseudo authority in the spirit and began to go right to the heart of the people. He didn't even give them deference. He said, you're so corrupt. And then he overleaps them and begins to say, listen, uh, don't listen to these preachers. That's what we've been trying to say for six months. Don't listen to those preachers from the churches you've come out that have taught you nothing. They've put you to sleep. They play their violins and lull you into a sleep while Rome is burning all around us. They're fiddling while the church is burning. They're fiddling. They have no words. You try and talk to them about the kind of words that the Lord's been bringing out in these podcasts, and you try and sit them down and say, listen to this. They won't want to hear it. All they want is to is to fill the uh, the, the pew and, and, and the bank account and, and everybody to just have a nice little kindergarten, to, uh, daycare to drop their kids off, and, and, and we'll tell you how to have a better marriage and how to succeed in business. But nothing about the coming of the Lord, nothing that brings clarity to the things that we're seeing take place and transpire in our culture today. The entire world is on fire. You think we're crazy? You think we're nuts? over a hundred people were wounded and shot in Chicago over the weekend. 13 police officers badly wounded. It got so bad that they had to lift the bridges and keep people from coming into the city as they went into the downtown area and began to burn it, pillage it, break into the high-end stores. I saw an Audi. An Audi, a stolen car, burst into one of the major department stores in downtown Chicago. They were rioting, looting, burning. This is America. This is Chicago. And like Brother Jeremy said, what about Portland? 73 straight days and nobody doing anything. What about Seattle, one of the largest, most beautiful cities in our country? They've just defunded the protection of the good people. And the city councilman said the other day, look, or the policeman said, if somebody comes and tries to steal something from your house, just let them have it, because we can't come and help you anymore. What is going on? Do you have eyes to see? Jeremiah jumps over them and tells the people, quit listening to their vain, empty words. They preach and speak visions of their own heart and not from the mouth of the Lord. That's what he said, and that's what the Lord is saying to all of us right now. Don't listen to these knuckleheads that are telling you this great revival is coming. Are you in- <laughs> are you kidding me? You actually think that's going to happen? Precisely at the time that they needed a clear and true word of repentance. Yes. They tell him, no evil is going to happen to you. No evil shall come upon you. That's what they were telling the people. Nothing. Look, look, read verse 17. What did they say to them? Read verse 17.
2: They
0: say
1: still unto them that
0: despise me, the Lord has said, ye shall have peace. And they say unto everyone that walketh after the imagination of his own heart, no evil shall come upon you.
1: Hmm. My goodness. That's what they were telling the people. Nebuchadnezzar's, you know, about to just destroy everything He's coming in a few years Pharaoh is now in charge of Jerusalem and the nation He's installed his puppet king The priests are running around Full of adultery, full of eyes of adultery Feeding on wormwood, drinking the narcotic of Gaul And infecting the people so that they're completely asleep And Jeremiah, uh, by the Spirit of the Lord He jumps over that and he begins to tell them Don't listen to these fools because all they're telling you is nothing bad's going to happen to you. Aren't you hearing that now in this country? We've been hearing it since the beginning. You remember all those false prophets from Copeland to 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 the others who rose up and sh- was Sean Boltz, you know, in early uh, March and those guys from Bethel and and and, and those hyper charismatic people prophesying to the COVID-19 virus and you know, America's this and that and uh, these are fools. By another spirit, no evil shall come upon you. They're predicting this great revival. We're headed to this great revival.
0: Are you blind?
1: Do you uh, not see? Right? Yeah. Even though even though they were already being judged, they don't discern it. That's what God said was going to happen to them. You're going to walk in darkness, and your darkness will be slippery. You're, you're not going to be able to. You, you have no sure footing. They were they were being judged, and they didn't discern it. Their plight, right? What was their plight? They had no word. Same old right. word, right? Same old word. No answers, just the same old word. They were like Joel Osteen's of their time, right? They kept speaking mm-hmm. light, smooth words, right? Nothing changed since the days of the prophet Isaiah. They preached the same word when they needed a word from God. All they were being right. told was, was, "You're gonna, it's gonna be all right. Nothing bad is happening." My, 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 my. <laughs> <laughs> this is my Bible. I do absolutely nothing it tells me to do. <laughs> That's what they were saying. <laughs> oh, God help us! Well, it, it's
0: amazing. We, be, it's ahead, amazing please. because he says they, they, you know, he says, "Hearken not unto them." Because they make you vain, and, and I was looking up that word "vain." To be vain means to be you to be vain and act in word. Listen to this: yes. an expect or expectation.
1: That's right,
0: specifically to lead astray,
1: to cause them to the hope. People don't right? have a clue. Right, they that were was, making them hope.
0: Yes, In something vain,
1: in a false hope. That's right. Yes. They were preaching pre- the same word that had been preached for generations, these these false prophets, like you said. Notice what he said again yes. in verse seventeen. He said, They yes. say still unto them that despise me. In other words, they they, they, they they were they got in between Jeremiah's declaration and they told the people calm down, calmate, as we say in my culture, right? That's what they were telling the people, calm down and he mm-hmm. said, They despise me. They hate my kind of preaching. That's what he said. You know, God has sent me. And he said, I got a word from God. I'm trying to pleading with you, man. I'm, you know, it's just, gosh, help us. You know, that's what he's saying. And he says, they get in between us and they tell the people, just mellow out. Don't listen to this dude. He said, the, and then they begin to preach a false word. They say He says, what they tell you is the Lord has said, you're going to have peace. Verse 17. And they say everyone that's following his own imagination of his own heart, nah, nothing bad is going to happen to you. Don't listen to this fool over here, this this crazy Jeremiah. My goodness. Uh, I, I, I'm i getting too riled up here. Brother Jeremy, turn over to Isaiah 30 and read that because that, that, that's what they said. That's a perfect thing. That's what they were saying. We see there what they were saying in Isaiah 30. It's the same. The preachers hadn't changed. Mm. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 8 through 11. Would you read that to me? Read that to us? Now go, write it before them in
0: a table and note it in a book, that it may be for the time to come forever and ever, that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord, which say to the seers, See not, and to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things, speak unto us smooth things, prophesy deceit,
1: get you out of the way, and turn aside out of the path. And then they said this, what, in verse 11, cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. That's what they wanted. They didn't want the Word of God. And they and they were saying we don't want to see God in this way. Isn't that what they were saying, Brother Fernando? What they were saying we don't want to look at God, this holy God, this awesome Father. We want to live any way we want, and not only that, yeah. we want to come into into His house, right? And, and and live in such a way that 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 we act as if it's cool with God, man. It ain't cool with God. You see, the, the problem with most people is that, that, that they view the things that God has laid out as to how we should live our lives as constraints, as, 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 uh, as chains to their unbridled passions that they've never relinquished and laid on the altar of His compassion that they might be delivered. They look at God's constraints as as, as cramping their style, when the truth of the matter is, is that God's constraints are for our good. It's his ways are perfect. He tells us to get married to one wife, to have, to have children, to, to, to go to church, to teach our children the word of God like our country used to do. It wasn't until the early 60s when we ran God out of our schools and we no longer opened our classrooms with prayer. It would only be less than a, a decade later that we would now start killing our babies in 1973 when the Supreme Court sanctioned murder in the womb. It's been a downhill slide ever since, and 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 the chickens have come home to roost in our time. COVID-19 was just the beginning. A global reset has become. Nebuchadnezzar is waiting in the wings. The framework has been being built for generations and decades. And now here we come to the most crucial time in our nation's history when we should have prophets standing up, decreeing to us, pleading with us, calling us to a holy God, and asking us to reflect and to, to, to turn from our wicked ways. Instead, we have people standing up prophesying great revival and great awakening is coming. Well, we're going to see who's right. We're going to find out who who really has heard from the Lord and who's been drinking gall and eating wormwood. We'll see, and it ain't going to be many days from now. But God's people, God's people, they hear and they know. What should have been their preaching, Brother Jeremy? Read it in Jeremiah 23, verse 19 through 22. Because this is the word that, that that we're going to be able to identify the true preaching in this time. Right now, we're talking about. That's right. Twenty three
0: nineteen. Behold, a whirlwind of the of the Lord is gone forth in fury, even a grievous whirlwind. It shall fall grievously upon the head of the wicked. The anger of the Lord shall not return until he have executed, until he have performed the thoughts of his heart. In the latter days you shall consider it perfectly. I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I have not spoken spoken to them, yet they prophesied. But if they have stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my words, then they should have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their doings.
1: And am I a a God at hand, says the Lord, and not a God far off? You know, he's basically saying, am I hard to find? I'm not hard to find. He's basically telling (laughs) them, you're going to understand what I'm telling you even more perfect, he says, in the latter day. But for now, he says, right, look at how, what, what, what I'm saying about the prophet, so that you in the future, when you see this, you know it's impending. The clock is ticking on that nation that calls itself by my name, on that nation that claims to be followers of me. If they had stood in my council and had caused my people to hear my words, then they should have turned them from their evil ways and from the evil of their doings. This is the definer. This is what Jeremiah, by the Spirit of the Lord, is telling us down through the ages to look for. It'll be a word that is cutting. It'll be a word that penetrates the psyche, the soul, that that descends into the lower parts of our, the very bowels of our being that stirs us and shakes us and makes us look at ourselves and brings us to our knees and, and, and brings us to the place where we cry out to God. And we ask him to help us, Lord. Maybe he'll leave a blessing. In the days of Joel, he said to the priests and the prophets, weep between the porch and the altar. You know, uh, call for a, a solemn assembly and a fasting and a crying out to God. It may be that he He might leave us a blessing even in this late hour, just like when, when Jeremiah began in Jeremiah 26. And he told them, he told them, if you will hearken, if you will walk in my law, if you will listen to what the prophets warned you about, if you do those things, I will turn my wrath away. I will not allow judgment to be fully realized in your time. It's a big if. Look at the similarities. Read us verse twenty five and twenty-seven. Would you, Brother Jeremy? Twenty five to twenty
0: seven. I yeah. have heard what the prophet said. That prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long shall this be in the heart of the prophets that prophesy lies? Yeah, they are prophets of the deceit of their own hearts, which think to cause my people to forget my name by their dreams, which they tell every man to his neighbor. As their fathers have forgotten my name for Baal
1: baal right he's he's literally saying, "Look they don't have a word all they have is 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 a dream, they talk about their dreams, their visions, but no solid word." Look at the similarity. How many how many people you hear? Those of you who are familiar with this whole charismatic Pentecostal movement, right? I mean, what, who dominates the airwaves, by the way, in this nation. All they talk about with their false prophet is their dreams, their visions, what the Lord is saying, what they sense, what they feel. They don't quote you the Word of God. They don't take you to the Scriptures. Look at what God says in verse 23. He contrasts, and you out there listening, Whoever listens in the coming days to this message, listen. This is how you're going to tell the false from the true. What does God say in verse 28, brother? The prophet that hath a dream, let him tell a
0: dream. And he that hath my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the shaft to the wheat,
1: saith the Lord? What he's exposing there, brother... Is that is that the, the, the false preachers and the false prophets, all they have is dreams. They don't have the word of God. So they have to rely on something else. They have to create this dog and pony show, right? This This hyper-spiritual, pseudo-spiritual thing. They have no word of God. But he says, the true servant of God, let him speak my word faithfully. Those that are with God are in the word. They have a word from God. And they speak it. And he calls the false chaff. Isn't that what John the Baptist identified when he spoke about, I baptize you with water. But speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, he shall baptize you with fire, with the Holy Spirit and with fire whose fan is in his hand. He shall thoroughly purge his floor, right? He shall burn up the chaff. With unquenchable fire And he'll gather the wheat into his barn That's what he's talking about here The the chaff and the wheat He's making a distinction at times Like these And then he says So that we don't have any doubt What is the characteristic Of the true word of God Can you read that to us in verse 29 Is not my
0: word Like as a fire saith the Lord And like a hammer that breaketh the rock
1: in pieces. This is powerful because this is what the word of God is all about. My word is like a fire, he says. When the word goes forth, it it, it burns up and gets into those places that need to be quenched and, and, and burned away in our lives when God deals with us. He deals with us in that way. To to some, what I'm talking about and what we're discussing here today, brothers, we're quoting out of Jeremiah, it makes people uncomfortable. They hear it in, as a form of legalism. I haven't laid out any list of rules before you. I'm quoting the Word of God to you. And if it makes you uncomfortable, well, then good. It should. But to those who are walking with the Lord, not in some pseudo self-righteousness, but in a broken and contrite heart that has come to him in desperation with an eye towards eternal and forever things. Because that's what we're looking for. And the, and, and the ticket to that ride comes by way of one thing, and that is the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is there that we nail our old man to his cross, and we take up his cross and follow him to the path of life. His word is like a fire. It will deal with the sin in our heart. And it takes time. But if it's really his word, he's preparing us for eternity and for the glory of heaven. My word is like a fire. And if there's hard places in your life that you don't have victory over, my word is like a hammer, he says It'll break them apart if you really are up under my word. I'm working on you. I'm burning out the chaff of your life, and I'm destroying the hard places that keep you from understanding and enjoying the peace of God that passes uh, passes understanding and the joy of the Lord, which is your strength. My word is a fire and a hammer. Now uh, (laughs) now let's return to Jeremiah 26.10, and we'll close for today. We've gone a little long today, but but it's, it's necessary. So that brings us to verse ten, right? Which will, which we'll pick up in our next, in our next podcast when we return to this chapter twenty six. So that's it is, right? Prophet Jeremiah. By the time the word comes forth, now we know a little bit more why he was so opposed in Jeremiah twenty six. He spoke with great power and anointing in the name of the Lord. You know. <laughs> They had to react to it, Hmm. leadership, right? They had to react to it or risk appearing weak and false in the eyes of the people. See, that's where we are today. There's this little humble pastor. uh, You guys want to talk about it? You know, he had this dream recently, right? He pastors a little church of about 150 people. I think his name was Pastor Covington. And, you know, I'm I'm not saying it's from the Lord or not from the Lord, but it sure is the opposite of what all the other ones are saying. Well, anyway, that little video he put out, the first and only one he said he'd put out, he never felt led to put out, but he puts out this dream. It goes viral. And at the time, this is a couple, several weeks back now, I mean, in in about three days, it went from from a few watches to... To over a quarter of a million people had seen it, and then th- that that little dream made its way all the way up to the top of the of the charismatic Pentecostal and 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 and, and denominational world at the national level, right? <laughs> and they were right. weren't you, tell, weren't <laughs> you telling me, brother Jeremy or Fernando, that they were criticizing this dream because of what he dreamt? Yeah,
0: yeah. So the so a lot of the charismatic ministers began to get a hold of this dream. And began to dissect it and give it their own interpretation. And others began to 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 begin to disprove how it's theologically wrong. And I mean, you know, didn't allow the brother just to just say it. They began to dissect and give it their own meaning and their own interpretation.
1: Yeah, and 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 like the brother said, right? He says, "We'll find out whether I actually had a dream from God or not." And he said, that "If I didn't, you know, please forgive me." I, I, he says, I just feel compelled to share this dream. But basically what he talked about, we've begun to see happening. You know, we we are seeing it. it it's contrary to everything that they preach because they're preaching the smooth things, light things. Don't listen to these crazy extreme words, right? And that's what his dream was predicting and is predicting. That the America that we know it will be completely different by the time we get to the end of the year. It was a sobering thing that he, that he dreamt. Now, this ain't some famous evangelist, it's just some little pastor. I think he's from kentucky or something you guys go look it up uh what is it pastor covington is his name dana covington go just go listen to it for yourself and, and uh, the the original dreams he i don't know what he's doing now but that those original dreams go listen to what and, and just put it on the shelf but but remember it and also remember what brother jeremy just said they had to answer it in this hyper you know everything's great atmosphere that these false preachers have been telling the nation. They have no word. But that's where we are today, right? We're going to pick this up again when we get to part three. Because what happens in verse 10, 26, 10, Brother Jeremy, right? Uh, the, the, <laughs> all this commotion. When, Go ahead and read it, verse 10.
0: <laughs> when the princes of Judah heard these things, then they came up from the king's house unto the house of the Lord and sat down in the entry of the new gate
1: of the Lord's house. And we'll pick it up from here when we get when we get back to this part three, but, but it's incredible because now it's not just a bunch of preachers fighting with each other, <laughs> you know, trying to kill Jeremiah uh, and the <laughs> congregation is going crazy. This got the attention of the political class, of the ruling house. Uh, because he's talking about the destruction of, of the capital city now, and 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 really religion aside, uh, you know, and thereby it's just like okay, all this religious stuff aside, you know, he, he's now dec- he's now declaring that the capital city is about to be judged, and it's going to be left desolate by a foreshadow of the antichrist if you can see it. Nebuchadnezzar was coming, a global empire was coming, and it began to shake up the very. Uh, powers that be It, it, it left the religious circle and entered into the very halls of power and now they're all gathered and there stands hallelujah this precious precious prophet of god in desperation pleading with his generation he knows god and he knows what god is saying Talk about feeling isolated (laughs) you're surrounded by thousands of people that just wanted to arrest you because of the message you preach and what you've been preaching what you faithfully have been preaching right he's been this way for 23 years he said i ain't changed my message and i've been preaching Mm -hmm. to you what the prophets before me preached he said i haven't changed their message but this is who you are this is what you've done and this is where our nation has come to he says this got their attention Will Washington DC wake up? Will our capital city wake up? Will they listen? Did Jerusalem listen? <laughs> oh my. I want to I just want to leave us today with a word of encouragement. Listen, the Lord is calling out his remnant, right? And those who indeed, you know, I I really really believe there are those of you out there you you, you indeed, you can see and you can hear. You know what's coming. And you know what is coming has not happened overnight. It's been decades in the making. It really has been. I just want to close with this. Brother Jeremiah. Brother Jeremy, would you read to us Jeremiah 24, chapter 24, verse 4 through 7? Again, the, the word given, of the Lord. Wait, wait a minute. Prophet Jeremiah was given a vision. After Jehoiakim was removed and carried away in chains by Nebuchadnezzar, and, and Jeconiah, his son, was installed, he was given this vision, and, and 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 the nation's about to be judged. In 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 a matter of a couple years after this, he receives instructions, and he and he has this this vision of 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 a basket of good figs and bad figs. And he tells them, "You're going to be taken away captive," but he begins to address the real people of God, and and that's what you're going to hear here in in verse 4 through 7. Would you read that, Brother Jeremy, as we close? Amen.
0: Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, Like these good figs, so will I acknowledge them that are carried away captive of Judah, whom I have sent out of this place into the land of the Chaldeans, Chaldeans, For their good. For I will set my eyes upon them for good, and I will bring them again to this land, and I will build them and not pull them down, and I will plant them and not pluck them up, and I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return
1: unto me with their whole heart. Now, this was speaking of of the return of the captivity after judgment would fall upon them. But again, remember, we read in Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 20, that what he was writing also had implications for the latter days. And he said, You would understand it perfectly at that time. And what we are saying, and we believe that the Lord is revealing to us, is what Jeremiah was revealing. He said, Look, notice what he didn't say. He said, Everything's going to be fine. No, he said, Look, this is coming. This is going to happen, but I want to address my people. I want to talk to them. This captivity is upon you, and it's going to happen. But before then, and what he's been doing really over the last several years, like he did in verse 5, he said, I'm going to take you out of the establishment that is corrupt. It's all corrupted. Brothers and sisters, my goodness, if you can't see it by now, I don't know what else to say look around you. I'm not saying that every church is that way. There's good pastors, good faithful churches. Most of them, no one will ever hear about. They're out there. They love God with all their heart. It's it's, it's the much larger corrupt establishment that we're talking about, which we're very familiar with. Those of you who don't know me, I've, I've been around these places. I know these people, my wife, my children, I, we, we've traveled the world. I've walked in these circles. I know what they're about. I've seen it, and I've seen the decline uh, of the ministry over the last 40 years to bring us to this point where what we have representing before us in the public square as being Christianity is not Christianity at all. And we've reached this time of great turmoil, of great judgment that's come to rest upon the shores of our country. And when we need it the most, we do not have a word at a national level. There is no word, there is no clarity. But God has a way of speaking to his people and bringing out his word and his guidance in the midst of these kinds of situations. And that's what he's doing. We humbly submit, that's what we're hearing. Not because we're speaking it, but that's what the Holy Spirit is telling us. And we know that there's many others out there in in their communities, in, in, in in these watering holes, if you will, in the house churches, wherever it may be, on the internet, whatever, man. He's speaking. If you have ears to hear and what he's telling and what he told in his generation and what he's telling us now what's coming is not going to be able to be avoided and I ask you brothers and sisters unless America turns and repents at its very core what is coming has begun and what we're going to see is going to be so far worse than what we've seen so far But here, Jeremiah, he's telling his people, and subsequently the Spirit of the Lord is telling us, what's coming, understand it's coming, and it has to come. But I am taking you out of it. Let me remove you from from it. And it's for your good. It's to protect you, he said. And in verse 6, he promised, I will set my eyes upon you for good. He's going to protect you and your family. He's going to watch over us in these times. And, and and in verse 7, he says, I will give them a heart to know me. Understand, what he promised them, he's promising us. They came back to a Jerusalem 70 years later that was rebuilt. What he's calling us to is the new Jerusalem, which, trust me, it's on its way. The Lord Jesus is going to return. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the question is, though, are we ready? Are you ready? Am I ready? That's the question we need to be asking. Because what we're being prepared for is eternity. And what is about to happen to this planet has been foretold from the prophets of old. We're not talking to you about anything other than what the prophets have told us would happen. What is the hardest thing for people right now is to wrap their head around it, is to actually say, we've heard these things for so long, blah, blah, blah. That's what they say, but that's what they said that that people would say. Where is the promise of his coming? Everything's the same. It's always been this way. No, it hasn't. If you have any kind of spiritual depth and quality about you, You know that what the prophets have told us is beginning to resonate with us in this time, at this moment, unlike any other time in the history of our country and the world. Jesus is coming. And so is captivity. It's been proclaimed. But God tells us, I will set my eyes upon you. You don't have to fear. You don't have to worry. Trust him call out to him. He said, I'm not a a God that's far away. He's as close as the mention of his name. If we didn't love you, we wouldn't talk to you this way. But we will all have to stand before God and give an account for why we said what we said. And in the days ahead, we will find out which word is true. I'm hooking myself and my brothers are hooking ourselves, as I know you are too, to the words of the prophets of God and the Lord Jesus Christ who said, when you begin to see these things come to pass, look up, for your redemption draws nigh. We love you, and we'll see you next time for part three. Brothers, anything left to say?
0: Wow. Um, my heart is, uh, you know, when I hear these things, uh, my heart trembles before the Lord. Uh, The responsibility that has been given uh, to the servants of God to declare the word of God. At the end, as you said, Ritamati, it culminates in the house of the Lord. Jeremiah finds himself alone and 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 those opposing him, the people, right, the princes, the and the and the priest, the prophets op- opposing him, you know. Yes. Yeah. But uh, I, I know that this word, and and I and I thank God for this encouragement too. Uh, what we read here in chapter twenty-four, that what he says, you know, made me weep. I will give them a heart to know me. Praise God. God wants to give you a heart that you may know Him, that I may know Him in this hour. You know, this is uh it's no longer, it's going to happen, brothers, no, it's begun. It's begun. I pray, we pray, that this word, this study today will resonate in your spirit throughout this week and you will meditate and draw closer to God. We love you. We pray for you. May God bless you. May God keep you. And as always, keep looking up.